I was fortunate, or uh, some people might say unfortunate, depends on who you are. Most churchy people would say fortunate, I guess. I was raised in the church. From the time I was an infant, I went to church every single Sunday, and for better or for worse, you know, mom would carry me around, I would listen to sermons that I'm sure I didn't understand as an infant. Um, that would have been my sister, the really brilliant one, who probably understood everything from the moment she uh, entered the world, but I'm not that person. So I don't remember much about those first sermons I heard, but I began to take them in and they began to form patterns in my life. Sort of, um, you know, when you plow a field, you leave uh, furrows in the ground and you turn back around and you furrow again and you create those spaces for oxygen to get to the roots and for things to grow up. And so I went and learned a number of things uh, first as an infant and then as a toddler and then in kindergarten and then in all of the grades of Sunday school. And as I learned those things, they formed patterns in, in the way I saw the world. Now, some of those patterns were really good and some of those patterns probably were not so much. Some of the patterns that I remember, one of the things that I learned early on in my childhood memory is the reason that God needed to send Jesus into the world is because there was no possibility that we would ever be able to obey the commandments. Just couldn't do it. Not possible. And the law was put there so that we could trip and fall and know how much grace we needed. Now, I'll be honest with you. I think tripping and falling is a really good thing not physically, like breaking bones or things like that, but tripping up and failing at life is just part of being alive. In fact, sometimes I learn more from my failures than I do from my successes. You know, when I am certain I'm right, that's when I'm about to trip and fall. Pride goeth before a fall. Uh, when Moses was sharing uh, the vision for the people of Israel. And he was sharing the commandments and the blessings that would come from those commandments. He didn't have this sense that the law was just a group of things we'd never be able to do. That wasn't Moses' vision. And I'm not sure it's God's vision that we ought not be able to achieve what God has laid before us. And that's what today's passage from the book of Deuteronomy the teachings that happened just before the Israelites entered into the promised land. They were right on the edge of going in, and before they went into the promised land, God wanted to kind of lay out sort of a set of expectations. These are the kinds of things that would be really good for you to do. And we know some of those as the Ten Commandments about how we are meant to honor God and how we're meant to care for one another. But this is what, uh, towards the end, after all of these blessings and curses, in chapter 30, this is what it has to say. For this law that I give you today is not too difficult for you, nor is it beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you need to ask yourselves, who will go up to heaven for us and bring it down to us so that we may hear it and keep it? Nor is it beyond the seas, so that you need to wonder who will cross the sea for us and bring it back to us, so that we may hear it and keep it. 
No. The word of God is very near to you. It is in your mouth. It is in your heart so that you can keep it. Today I have set before you life and success or death and disaster. For today I command you to love Adonai, your God, to follow God's ways and keep the commandments, the laws and customs. If you do, you will be blessed. Thank God for the reading and hearing of this word this morning. There are a lot of rules. We are all about rules in the world in which we live today. There are all sorts of rules about where you're supposed to cross the street. Uh, you know, we have little crosswalks at many corners that are supposedly the safe place. I will be the first to admit that periodically I do not cross at those corners when I see there's a break in traffic and I think I can make it across in the middle of the street. I do that. Now, when I do that, I've, I've broken one of the rules. And if a police officer happens by and sees me crossing in the middle of the road, I could get a ticket for that uh, because I have violated the law. But some of them, some of those laws are the laws that uh, seem less expensive, less important, not less expensive, uh, but less important than others. For instance, let's not murder each other. That seems really, really important compared to whether we cross in the middle of the street or the end of the street or the corners. There seem to be things that ought to be more important about human life, about love, about caring for community, about covenant. And that is what the book of Deuteronomy wants to convey to the people who first heard it and to us today. Our relationships really matter. The relationships of the way we are connected to each other as human beings, the way we relate to the world in which we live, the way we relate to the God who connects us to each other, those matter. That's why we take an entire book, why Moses uh, spent an entire book describing. Now, at the time, it was a speech. It wasn't a book. He wasn't reading a book. He was making a speech. And the speech he made to the people was, this is important. And the key piece began in chapter 6 of Deuteronomy, uh, which is most important to our Jewish siblings. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you shall write the law of the Lord upon your heart, and you shall meditate it on day and night, and you shall teach your children about it. Now there's a reason to do that. Because the fabric of our life together is meant to be based on love and respect for the infinite, for the one who made us, for relationship not only with God, but for relationship with each other and to the planet that's been entrusted to our care. We are meant for relationship shaped by God for that relationship. But let's be honest, we're not always really good at that. And sometimes we disrespect the relationship. My ancestors disrespected that relationship a lot against people who were different than we were, particularly of different color. We chose 
to disrespect the very relationship God gave us as a gift because we thought we were better than the law itself, the law of love. Now that's an epic failure. That's an epic failure. And one that you and I still pay for. We pay for it in our distrust of one another and in our struggles to love one another and in, and, and in the breakdown of the covenant relationship God has for us. God so wants us to love each other that God wanted to show us what it would look like. So we get the story of the New Testament about how God became one of us to reflect that it's possible to love your neighbor as a human being. Jesus did it. Jesus did it over and over again. Stopped at the side of the road for the people everybody else thought didn't count brought healing and hope and renewed relationship to people who were considered outsiders. Because with God, there aren't any outsiders. With God, the invitation is always for us to be a part of a covenant-connected relationship. Now, what's interesting is God presented a covenant. That might be a word you don't hear a whole lot of times uh, in today's society. We hear about contracts. Contracts specify what I can expect from you exactly and what your recourse is, what my recourse is, is when you don't do it. Who I can appeal to, in what way can I make you pay. That's what a contract does. A covenant says, listen, let's have a relationship. And in this relationship, these are the things that ought to shape it. And the beginning of that for our Jewish siblings and for us when we read Deuteronomy 6 is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, and you will love the Lord. You will love the Lord, and let that be a shaping influence. Because as I fall in love more and more with God, God invites me to fall more and more in love with what God loves. And that's you. That's me. That's the world we live in. That's what a covenant is. It's an invitation to live in kind of a boundary, a boundary that's set. And for us, God sets the boundary as love. The commandment is not too hard for us to live. Moses says, hey, it's not too hard. I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you right now. It's not too hard. It's not up in heaven where you keep having to say to yourself, who are we going to send up there to get it for us? It's not across the sea where we keep asking, who's going to sail the sea over to the other side to get it? Because where is it? It's in our mouths. It's in our hearts. It shapes the way we live. One of the challenges when I was growing up as a, in Sunday school, one of the things that you know, every year some Sunday school teacher would challenge us to do. You know, I remember vacation Bible school when we had to memorize all the books of the Bible in order so we'd be able to find them. Okay, that was pretty good. And then I can still remember when I was in about sixth grade, seventh grade, our youth director started challenging us to memorize pieces of scripture. Hence why I can repeat to you from Deuteronomy 6, Verse 5, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one, etc. 
Or I could quote to you from John chapter 15, you are the vine, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them. It could go on and on. But we don't memorize scriptures so that we can show off and say, look, my pastor, he's memorized some scripture. He can just quote it in worship just like that. Woo! Let's give him a little star. That's not why we quote scripture. That's not why we memorize it. That's not why we read it. We read it because we want it to become a part of us. We want to understand the way we can live. We want to break the patterns. Anytime that I treat someone as less than, as other than me, I want to immediately catch that because of the word of God that I meditate on. I want to immediately catch that and break that pattern. I want to break that pattern. Why? Because God made us for relationship. God made us for covenant. God made us to love one another as well as God. Jesus even says there's only two big commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. As a part of you. Not as much as you love yourself, but as a part of you. That means that every person I encounter is in some way connected to me because God connected them. And so that ought to shape the way I live. That ought to shape the way I speak. That ought to shape the thoughts I have. Because out of the thoughts that I have arise the words that I say. Every week, I like to remind you of a, of a truth I believe the Bible puts out there, which is that each of you, online and in person, is infinitely precious, immeasurably precious, infinitely precious. You are unconditionally loved. There are no conditions you have to meet to be loved. God already loves you just the way you are. Why else would God have made you that way? God made you the way that you are to be loved because you are a gift for you. For you. That's the gift. You are a gift to us by reflecting God in your own unique way. Infinitely precious, unconditionally loved, a unique gift. That's what we all are. Now, if I can accept that about myself, that God made me to be me and love me, then it makes it so much easier for me to love you. That's why we have all these rules. Because one of the dangerous things that often happens is as soon as I experience myself as less than, I want to experience myself differently. So one of the ways I think I can do it is by making you less than. If I treat you as less than, then guess what? I'm more than. You know that whole mathematical thing? I still remember those little pointy arrow things where the fat end means this is bigger than the other, this is greater than the other. Well, if I can make myself greater than, that makes you less than, except that's not how it works. With God, there are no less thans, and there aren't any more thans. They're just thens. You and I, in God's eyes, are loved. 
I tried to describe it once to my children because I have two of them. They are now adults. Hannah is 28. Josh will be 26 in, uh, in, in less than a month now. He'll be 26. And periodically when they were little, you know, usually when they were upset about a situation, they would come and say, Dad, if it was Josh, you love Hannah more than you love me. And if it was Hannah, Dad, you love Joshua more than you love me. And my answer is, no. I love Joshua different than you. I love Hannah different than you. Not more than, not less than, different than. Because I have Hannah love for Hannah, and I have Joshua love for Joshua, and I have for each of you a love that is unique to you. And why would that be? Because we are each unique gifts. Love is not a generic reality. Love is unique. Love is unique. So it's not about more than or less than. It's different than. Certainly, I love Linda differently than I love the rest of you. She has put up with me for 30 and a half years. That's a long time. That's a different kind of love than someone that, you know, that I just met this morning. Doesn't mean I don't love the person I met this morning. It means that I love them differently. And why do we spend all our time comparing anyway? If God's love is unconditional and you are infinitely precious, how much more love do you need? The beginning of the passage just before what I read you this morning talks about it, it, it talks about abundance, God's abundance for us. And what we have in abundance, even if we don't have a lot of stuff, is love. Because God's supply of love for you and me is infinite. But it's also true of our neighbors. It's infinite. So originally, we got the Ten Commandments because we needed to be, know that we couldn't make up pretend gods. As much as this table is cool, and as much as it represents something in the beginning of, uh, it, it, in the front of our worship experience, this table will never be God. So when God says, don't make any images of me, what God is saying is, don't make an image because that could never contain all that I am. You can talk about God like God is a rock. You can talk like uh, the Bible talks about God as if God is a mother hen that gathers up the chicks. God is like those things, but God isn't those things. God is more and bigger than those things. God's love is much bigger than that. So this table is cool as it is. This bread, that will be our communion this morning, as cool as it is. This cross, this cross, hand-carved cross, that's pretty cool. As cool as it is, it is a cross. It is a piece of wood. It points to something bigger than us, but it isn't God. It points to the God beyond. The reason we have rules, the reason we have covenant, is so that we learn the lines that we ought not cross. I ought not to lie about my neighbor. I ought not to steal from my neighbor. I ought not to uh, murder my neighbor or want what my neighbor has. 
I ought not to make images of God. I ought not to put anything else, not money, not success, not my stuff, not even the wife I've loved for 30 and a half years. I ought not to put her above God. There is one. And because of that God, I'm thankful Linda's a part of my life. But in the end, God must be first. We have covenant because we don't do so good at relationship. We spend a lot more time comparing than we do loving. And what God would like for us to do, I'm convinced, the whole book is about it. It's pretty cool, actually, is learn to love each other. Learn to love God. And let that be what shapes and flows from us in every possible way. That's what covenant's about. God makes some promises to us and invites us to live into the promises that God has made. And God gives us some boundaries that help us be shaped and focused in that very area. That's the powerful, powerful piece of it all. We are made for relationship, shaped by relationship connected ever so deeply by relationship. That's why we have covenant. That's why we have rules. And it's why it's written on our hearts. My challenge to you this week, my challenge to you this week, and it's going to be my challenge to me too, so it's our challenge. Do it if you do. Don't do it if you don't. And know that whether you do it or not, you're going to be loved. Well, then why should I even do it? Well, maybe it'll help. But if it doesn't, don't. My challenge to you is to pull out the book that for us is the central piece of our life and find something that's meaningful to you. Maybe you like Psalm 4610. Be still and know that I am God. And memorize it. Practice it. Read it to yourself every day. Now, maybe you're not a good memorizer, and that's okay. But read it to yourself every day so that it becomes a part of you. Do you know how important that first piece I told you is, the Shema? Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Many of our faithful Jewish siblings say it to themselves morning and night, morning and night, morning and night, and with repetition, becomes a part of the way they think, the way they see. Imagine what your life might look like if you got to a place where you were still and that you knew God was God. That's just one example. Maybe you'll like John 3.16, God so loved the world. Choose a verse, one verse, not even an entire chapter, just a verse that says something to you and memorize it or practice it and listen to it as it rings true in your heart? What would it look like if you were still enough to know that God was God? Would you be able to also see in your neighbor the God who loves you for you? Would you see a reflection? So this week we're going to practice. That's going to be our practice. The one I'm challenging you to is to practice in that way. So one of the things we do every week when we gather in this space is to pray. 
I think praying is a pretty cool thing. Praying is as much about listening as it is about speaking. Now, that might not be what you were taught, but I'm convinced that's true. Uh, most of the prayers I learned involved a lot of words. Whether it was the Lord's Prayer, which is not a whole lot of words, or some other prayers, uh, they were words that I said to God. But what would happen if I listened for God? So prayer, we begin our prayer at St. James in a moment of silence. That's how it begins. And during that silence, you are certainly welcome to have words in your mind that you lift up to God if you wish. But I encourage you to try for that moment of silence to just listen. Maybe you'll just hear the breathing of your neighbor nearby. You'll hear somebody else breathing and be reminded of the gift of breath. Maybe in that silent moment, you'll actually feel your heart beating inside your chest and you'll realize every beat is a gift from God. Every beat, and it'll remind you. And you'll hear your heart and recognize your connectedness. I don't know what'll happen in that silence. Just to listen. It's just a moment. I'll pray out loud for us, and then we pray the Lord's Prayer at the end. Now, there are a couple of things I want to invite you to be in prayer for. The divisions in our world are certainly one of those things. Uh, how we can't even seem to have a conversation sometimes with each other because of the color of our skin, or our nation of origin, or our ethnicity, or our religion. Um, all of those kinds of things stop us from being able to see and hear each other fully. That's not what I think God wants for us, but we certainly have given each other enough reasons to distrust. So I, will, uh, I want to pray that God, through us, would bring healing to the, to the divisions in our world. The second thing that's on my mind and heart this morning, uh, a week from today, I will not be here. Uh, I will be on the road somewhere between here and Logan County, West Virginia, with a team of folks from St. James who are going to repair homes in the Appalachian Mountains. Uh, to make them warmer, safer, and drier through Appalachia Service Project. So a group of us will be leaving early to next Sunday morning, and uh, I will be on my way somewhere in the morning. Hopefully I'll be able to listen. Linda's bringing the message next Sunday morning. Hopefully I'll be able to listen while I'm on the road uh, driving there. But uh, I want us to pray for our team, because going to Appalachia builds bridges. We get much more out of it than we ever provide, although we do make houses warmer, safer, and drier. And we'll be with a, a large, in a large center with lots of other volunteers working together. I want us to pray for the staff who will be working with us in Logan County. Uh, I want us to pray for the other volunteers who will be there. Uh, I want us to pray for all, uh, we do that in a specific way, but I wouldn't mind if we prayed for all of Appalachia Service Project. It's in 20 different counties this year, in Virginia, Tennessee, Kentucky, and West Virginia, making people's houses warmer, safer, and drier. They will host 8,000 volunteers this summer and work on as many houses as they possibly can, and we're a part of that. You know, when you think you, you don't make a big difference, one person 
one difference and all of us together a little bit more. So let's pray for our team. We'll begin in a moment of silence. We'll pray aloud together. I will pray and then we'll pray the Lord's Prayer. Pray the version that's on the screen if you want. Pray the version that you already know or and in the language you know or don't pray it at all and it'll be okay either way. Any of the ways you do that, it'll be fine. So let's enter into a moment of silent prayer together. Loving and vulnerable God, you opened yourself up to relationship with us and invited us to open ourselves up to re in relationship to you and one another. You see each of us as infinitely precious. Each of us is unconditionally loved by you. Each of us is a gift reflecting uniquely some aspect of your eternal splendor. Lord, polish us up. Polish us up so that when we live out your call to love, we'll do so in a way that changes the world around us. We can't control how everybody else acts. Some of them act a fool. We, we, we just don't want to be one of the act a fool group. We'd like to act a love a bit more. Love the neighbor who is like us, but also love the neighbor who's not. Love the neighbor that looks like us and the one that doesn't. The one that's from here and the one that's from somewhere else. Because you love us all for the unique gift each of us is. It's, it's wonderful to be a part of that love. Help us to spread it. We believe at St. James that we are meant to be bridges, bridge builders at every intersection in every moment of our lives, building bridges of love and hope wherever we go. Help us to be those bridges. When we encounter the person who, who appears to be down, perhaps we offer a word of encouragement, or perhaps what they need is silence. Give us discernment to know what it is. And if we can be present to one another and with those in our community who need you, we pray, oh God, that you would use us. We pray for the divisions in our world, the strong divisions, people who are so certain that they are right and that everybody else who is different than they are are wrong. And that could be any single one of us. We ask you to forgive us for our certitude for our absolute certainty that we are always right and know every answer correctly. Forgive us and help us to live from a place as you do, a place of vulnerability, of love, of listening, of openness. Help us to be true to you, for you are love, and we are meant to reflect that. 
We pray for our team that's going to Appalachia Service Project to Logan County, West Virginia. We pray for all the counties ASP is in and the ones that ASP couldn't be in. We pray that all of us might make a difference where we are and where we will be in every given moment. Help us to wake up, to be alive to love. We see the model of what love looks like in everyday life in, this, in your son, Jesus. And we pray, oh God, that we'll be more like him. And we pray now the prayer that he modeled for us, saying, Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen.